Hey everybody, this is Ryan Ellis, and you're listening to the Marching Arts Society podcast, episode number four. In this episode, we're going to discuss a good way to implement some visual responsibilities into your practice time. So this is an interesting topic because it in so many ways is the fastest changing aspect of both DCI and WGI. I mean, if you if you watch videos from even as, as recently as 10 years ago, the visual demands that are put on each performer have, have gone up exponentially. I mean, especially if you look back to, to drum corps and indoor when it kind of at its roots – the visual responsibilities were so limited. I know that learning from Scott Johnson, this is something he brings up constantly. Is is he would he'll laugh about the lack of visual responsibilities that were put on him as a performer. There was no body. There was very little marching, if any at all, and and the visuals were limited. So it's 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 an interesting topic for discussion because it really is new, um, and it's also probably the least taught part of the activity. It's so common to be in lessons to learn how to better yourself at your primary instrument. Yet because the activity encompasses this dichotomy of both music and visual, it has to get to the point where every performer is educating themselves and practicing their visual responsibilities at least as much as their musical ones. Um, and if, if you've been to an audition in recent years, whether as a staff member or, or an auditionee, whatever, you, you've probably seen someone who was up to the ensemble standards musically, but because of their lack of visual proficiency, was denied membership in the ensemble. So we have to find a solution for this, um, and I, I think I have a couple. So if we if we talk about visual responsibilities, that's a very broad subject. There's lots of things that fall into that category. It could be marching, dance stretching, really movement of any kind. Uh, and I, I want to kind of diagnose a couple parts that can be practiced easily on a small scale at your own home. So you don't need to be wearing a drum. You don't need to really warm your body up. These are all things that can be done sitting down with a pad on your lap. And the the main part of this that I want to dive into is just coordination. So body is basically, uh, that, that's a term that's that's thrown around a lot, body, is basically just movement that is aside from traditional marching. I've never really heard anyone use the term body in regards to crabbing, forward, backwards, marching, obliques, etc., step size, things like that. So um, how does one practice this at home? There's, there's two main areas I want to cover uh, for this specific episode, and the first of which is your feet. So... If you don't already know this, you certainly need to be marking time while you're practicing. Uh, marking time is essentially the the standstill version of marching. It's just to establish the coordination and the timing necessary between what you're musically being asked to do and what you're eventually visually going to be asked to do. So, for this specific lesson I want to I want to use 8816 as the template. If you're not familiar with what it is, it's eight notes on the right hand, eight notes on the left hand, 16 on the right, eight notes on the left, eight notes on the right, 16 on the left. 
the whole exercise is going to consist of legato strokes, except for the transitions from hand to hand and the release, which are going to be downstrokes. So this is a fairly common legato exercise. That's kind of why I picked it. So let's let's talk about how most people are going to practice this. If you're marking time, you're probably using quarter note foot timing, and you're starting on the left foot. That is probably going to encompass almost entirely what your feet are doing throughout your practice session. So if you've ever marched um, a world-class drumline, or really any class drumline at this point because of the, how high the standard of the activity has become, you will very quickly realize that this is nowhere close to the plethora of things that your feet are going to be asked to do. So the very first variation I would insist on someone doing is just start marking time on the other foot. This is super simple. Um, it's an easy starting point, but you would be surprised how little people have done it. And a right foot step off is pretty much inevitable uh, in any show at, at, at this point in time. So play 8-8-16, but instead of starting on your left foot, start on your right. There's, a, there's your first variation. Now, the next thing to consider is we almost exclusively abide by quarter note foot timing. So what if we change this? In what ways could we vary this responsibility? The first place I would go with it is half notes. So your feet are only going to hit the ground on beats one and three. Again, this could be off the left foot or it could be off the right foot. You should definitely do it on both to understand both of those variations. The next place we could go with it was what if we mark time to the eighth note? So if you're playing 8816 at 120 beats per minute, typically your feet would be moving at that 120 beats per minute quarter note. Now we're going to put it on the eighth note, which is going to equal 240 beats per minute if it were a quarter note. So this is pretty fast. But for what the activity has become, that range of tempo is certainly not out of the question for what you should be asked to do. So um, half notes, quarter notes, eighth notes. Now the next place you can take it is what if we combine these in some way? So we have an eight-bar exercise. What if we split it in half? So you play 8-8-16 or really any legato exercise that you're comfortable with. And for the first four bars, you do half-note foot timing starting with the left foot. And then for the last four bars, you do quarter-note foot timing. What if you did eighth notes and then quarter notes? What if you did quarter notes and then half notes or so on and so forth? Any variations you can come with, come up with. The next place we could take it would just be on a one bar span. So one bar of half notes and bar two is quarters. Bar three is eighth. Bar four is back to half. Any variations you can come up with. This is probably going to be a little trickier than you would imagine, especially if this is the first time you've embarked on any of these timing things like this. But it's, it's not only going to prepare you for what will, will probably be asked of you once you're put in those situations on a floor or on a field, but also coordination tends to carry over um, in, in any capacity. So understanding the timing of how your hands line up to your feet is going to help you with the timing of how your hands line up to your knees or to your hips or to your head or to all these part, aspects of your body that are inevitably going to have to move uh, in, in sync with the music that you're playing. So another aspect we can take this, and this, this is something that I believe Tim Jackson uh, had us do at one of the Rhythm X camps, is move your feet in a way that's not alternating. So I can't remember the exact exercise that he had us do, but it was a fairly simple timing exercise, maybe something like moving eighth note with paradiddle sticking or, or something like that. But instead of marking time, alternating feet starting on the left foot. He had a start on the left foot, but mark time to a paradiddle. So instead of left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, we did left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right. So your feet are still moving to the quarter note and your hands are playing the quarter note, 
but your hands are playing paradiddles starting with the right hand, and your feet are playing paradiddles starting with the left foot. So this coordination is fairly uncomfortable the first time you do it. And this was, in this audition, the very first time I'd ever done it. It was the first time I had ever marked time and it not been exclusively alternating. So it was really eye-opening to me that this, this new level of coordination that could exist. If we want to take that even further, you could make your foot timing any sticking you can imagine. So instead of just alternating starting on the left or the right foot, what if you did double strokes with your feet while playing any legato exercise with your hands? So you'd start on the left foot and beats one and two of every bar would be the left foot and beats three and four would be the right foot. You know, so there's there's all these different angles we can take on it with the goal in mind to just create variations, as many variations as possible. Because the reality, and I've articulated this in a couple different Marching Arts Society videos, is that it is completely impossible to fully prepare for any audition because you don't know what the staff is going to ask of you. You don't know what they haven't have in store for you. They might may not even know what they have in store for you until that situation arises. So for that reason, the only real way to prepare is just get as many variations as possible in hopes that when you get to the audition, they either select one that you've already done or they select one that's so close to something you've done that you're able to kind of teach yourself a lot faster than you would be if you hadn't done those variations. So again, you can do it with legato's exercise. You can do it with any exercise. If you have an audition packet for uh, a drum corps or, or a WGI group, I highly recommend create variations. And and for this for this lesson in, in particular, create timing variations. What foot timing could you put to the exercise? You could you could put any single rhythm or or combination of of feet imaginable underneath the exercise. And every time you come up with a new variation, you're going to increase your comfortability with not only the exercise, but every single skill set that that exercise is comprised of. So if it's rhythms, or if it's stickings, or if it's stroke types, or rudiments, whatever it is, every time that you can come up with a new variation underneath that, it's going to increase your comfort level with that rudiment. So you're at home, you are either sitting down with a pad on your lap, or maybe you have a pad on a drum, or a pad on a stand, whatever it is, this is a, a, a very quick way to allow yourself the variations necessary to to gain a new level of comfort. So the next place I want to take this, um, because it's another variation that can be added while sitting down, is your head. So there's really, I mean, there's variations, but there's really nine different places we can put our heads, um, generally. So if you take your head right now, and you put it as far up and to the left as possible, that would be the first place. And then if you put it straight up in the middle of your body, that'd be the second place. Straight up and to the right would be the third. Straight over to the left with your head neutral on your body would be the fourth. Straight forward would be the fifth. Straight to the right would be the sixth. Down and to the left would be the seventh. Straight down would be the eighth. And then down and to the right would be the ninth. Now, obviously, there is places in between these points, but most of them are difficult to define. And I think that you would realize that if you were comfortable with these nine points, pretty much any other place a staff member asked you to put your head, you would be able to gain comfort with fairly quickly. So with these nine points, again, that's up to the left, straight up, up and to the right, straight to the left, straight forward, straight to the right, down and to the left, straight down, down and to the right. These are pretty much all the variations that someone can make on this. How could you incorporate these nine different positions into your practice time. 
because for the majority of someone's practice time, they're either going to be looking at themselves in a mirror or staring straight forward or staring down at your hands. And so the development of coordination in this muscle group usually ceases to exist. So let's take a similar structure to what we were just talking about with foot timing. Let's keep using 8816. What if every bar you shifted the location of your head in the order of the points that I just gave you. So for the first bar, you're looking up and to the left. For the second bar, you're looking straight up. For the third bar, you're looking up and to the right. For the fourth bar, you're looking left. For the fifth bar, you're looking straight forward. For the sixth bar, you're looking to the right. For the seventh bar, you look down and to the left. For the eighth bar, you look straight down. And then for the release, you look down into your right. That is going to be a completely different experience and is going to be way more physically and mentally taxing than the way in which you were previously practicing 8816. There's an endless number of variations for this, um, especially when you consider combining them with all the previous examples I gave of foot timing variations. So balancing not only the musical responsibilities that are on paper, but also combining variations of both your feet and your head into that, just to see any, any variation you can create that, that puts your body in an uncomfortable situation is going to lead you to more coordination and give you a larger visual vocabulary that you can tap into while also playing. So from this standpoint, I think that a good place to start, especially if visual in and of itself is uncomfortable for you, is just coordination. Just move body parts in different ways while performing the responsibilities that you're already comfortable with. Now, in future episodes and videos, I'll cover the the other wide array of visual responsibilities like movement, stretch, marching, things like that. But I, I do like the idea that someone in, in their preparation to make a world-class ensemble would try to incorporate the inevitable coordination and visual responsibilities that are going to exist when you're a performer. It's not realistic to exclusively practice your musical responsibilities because that's not where the activity is at. Especially if you watch WGI this previous year, there are not only a wide array of simultaneous demands put on the performers, there are also significant parts of the show where members are not playing anything and their only responsibility is that of a visual performer. So I don't really see this trend slowing down in either DCI or WGI. So what that means for for you as an auditionee or as someone who's trying to get into this activity or grow in this activity is that you gotta you gotta stay ahead of the curve on this. Um, right now, I don't I don't really know that this aspect is pushed enough at an early enough stage, and that for a lot of people it it ends up holding them back from their true potential. So I urge anyone who has these goals in mind to understand that you cannot exclusively be a world-class musician. That's just not what is going to be asked of you. You have to certainly be proficient on your instrument, but you also have to understand that being world-class and the visual aspect of the activity is just what is going to be asked of you now. So I hope that this is helpful. I've, I've mentioned a couple variations. There's obviously an endless amount. You can incorporate other body parts. You could put your feet in different places. There's, there's all these variations. But what I urge any one person to do is once you start to be comfortable with a lot of the musical responsibilities, just make yourself uncomfortable again. Don't spend a significant period of time 
being comfortable. If there's new variations that you can create, if there's new ways that you can trick yourself and you can make yourself struggle and then in turn grow to a new place, it's certainly worth going after. So if this is helpful or you have questions or there's another topic that you would like me to cover in a lot of this stuff, please feel free to reach out. You can reach me on Facebook or you can email me at ryanellis at marchingartsociety.com and we can either have a private conversation and maybe that'll motivate me um, to kind of spread the knowledge that you desire to have. Um, if, if you have a current need for, for some more info, you can check out our YouTube page at Marching Arts Society. And if you're really ready to take your, your abilities and your talents to the next level with a premium subscription at marchingartsociety.com, it opens up this vast library of information that's represented through multiple world-class educators and performers. And it really is a good place to get you where you want to go.